Welcome to 21 Steps, an audiobook podcast by M. A. Box. Chapter 8 The next morning, the sun came up far too early for Charlie. He wanted to roll back over and go to sleep, but he knew that wouldn't be possible. Once he was awake, he was up for the day. He followed his daily routine, got out of bed, wondered how he had gotten home, got into the shower, and got dressed for the day. He walked to the kitchen, made himself a beer and tomato juice, popped two aspirin with the drink, and left the dirty cup sitting on the counter, next to the five dirty cups from the five previous days. He went outside, got into his car, and went to his usual coffee shop on the corner where he ordered a large black coffee. He arrived at the police station already feeling better and ready for the day. The first thing on his list of things to do today was find out what had happened to Derek's mother and then learn about PTSD and its side effects. What can it cause and how do individuals with PTSD react in different situations? He was really hoping that the medical records would also be in today, as that would greatly help Charlie to understand the people he was looking into. Charlie sat down at his computer and turned it on. He wasn't very good with computers and he often felt that they were more of a problem than a help, until times like this. His computer would make it possible for him to pull up the information about Derek's mother's desk and have it conveniently delivered in minutes to his computer screen. As a detective in such a small town, Charlie had to wear many hats. As a necessity because of his remote location, he had access to many more systems and records than most detectives and police officers. He was now accessing the vital records of Hanover County in Georgia. He logged into the system and then added his information and county code. From there, it opened to another screen where he could search for information of specific people or date ranges or even causes of death. Charlie pulled out the information sheet about Derek Sterling and saw that his biological mother, Serena Sterling, had died in 1987. Charlie put that information into the computer using his two-finger pecking method and pressed enter. Impatiently, he watched the hourglass figure, indicating that it was processing. Thirty seconds later, another screen opened with information that Charlie had been expecting. He scrolled through the pages, looking at the information. What he found made him even more interested in Derek's story and what had taken place in his life. Serena Sterling had died on October 8, 1987, due to self-inflicted wounds. That's interesting, thought Charlie. She had passed away in her home after cutting her wrists in the bathtub. She had been discovered by her then eight-year-old son, Derek, after he arrived home from school. She had been on a high dosage of medications for bipolar disorder and at extreme levels of the drugs and alcohol in her system at the time. No social services referral for abuse or neglect had been previously documented, and Derek still lived in her home at the time. She was married to Joe, who appeared to be a workaholic, who wasn't expected home until the next night from a business trip. No suicide note was left indicating what this behavior was in response to. It doesn't appear that any investigation had been completed in relation to Derek either and if he had suffered any neglect at the hands of his mother. At least that wasn't documented here, but he would have to look further. From his experience, it wasn't very often that a mother killed herself without having caused some emotional pain to her children in the past, such as emotional neglect or aggression. Charlie knew after reading this information that this was important and would need to be discussed very carefully with Derek. He clicked print on the screen and pulled the paper out of the printer near the wall and placed it in his file. He then exited the system and went into the internet where he would research post-traumatic stress disorder. He went to a search website where he typed in post-traumatic stress disorder. 
It pulled up a number of links that would help with his research. He chose the top website that was the government site for the National Center for Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder. The site was helpful, and through his research, Charlie found out a lot about PTSD, causing him to consider what Derek had gone through in his life. Charlie found that PTSD occurs after someone has been in a life-threatening situation, where either they are scared for their life or the life of someone else, or where their life is in actual danger. These people feel that they lack control of the event and often see the life of someone they know taken away. Many people who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder have some history serving in the military and have spent time in actual combat situations. There are many documented symptoms of PTSD, but four are more common than others. Charlie thought that these may be important, especially if Derek had anything to do with Leslie's death. Charlie took meticulous notes in a yellow-lined notepad as he read the information. The first one is as if actually experiencing the event all over again in your head. This is called a flashback, and sometimes things trigger this event. The person feels they are back in the situation and that they have to literally defend their own lives. Again. Something as simple as a car backfire can create a flashback for a person with PTSD as a result of combat. People who suffer from PTSD don't even have to be awake to have real sensations of being back in combat. Many of them suffer from dreams that, when they wake up, they are reacting physically to the flashback, either through yelling or actually grabbing for their gun or even causing physical harm to people within their proximity. The second symptom is avoiding situations that may bring back the event. This could include avoiding public situations with a lot of people or noise, or even talking to people about the event or people who served with them. The third symptom is an actual numbness, not being able to enjoy the same things that the patient used to, forgetting pieces of the event, and not wanting to open up or be involved with others. The final symptom is an overwhelming feeling of hyperarousal or anxiety. The person may be on the defensive all the time, jumpy, sensitive to noise, or always on the lookout for danger. The person may not be able to relax, loosen up, or just enjoy themselves. Charlie thought about all of these symptoms. Thinking of the first symptom, Charlie wondered if Derek ever woke up in the middle of the night and found himself acting out a traumatic situation, hurting or even preparing to hurt a member of his family. He wondered if maybe Derek heard a car backfire, jumped back into the flashback of combat, and drowned Leslie, thinking that she was the opposition. Even if not... He wondered if the children would be safe from Derek. He also wondered if Derek had owned a gun, which he kept in the house. If a flashback occurred, would Derek actually grab his real gun and react? Could he? He thought about all of the options. Charlie wondered how severe Derek's post-traumatic stress disorder was. He didn't even know if he had reported any concerns in the past, but he hated the idea that this may be a possibility. He worried for the kids. He looked at the second situation and wondered if Derek ever avoided situations. He wondered if maybe the monster movie that Derek had apparently taken his kids to that night was too loud or crowded for him and maybe caused Derek to come home on edge and take it out on his wife. This timeline actually allowed for Derek to be home at the time of death. So just maybe the monster movie had sent him over the edge and he had done the unthinkable. He looked at the third symptom and thought maybe he wasn't being loving and caring to Leslie as she expected him to be. Maybe they had an argument that night about him being so closed and the argument may have triggered uncontrolled anger which led Derek to drown her. Finally, 
Charlie thought about the overstimulation factor. Not being able to relax can cause a lot of problems with sleep. With being able to react quickly to situations and an overwhelming loss of peace in life, Charlie knew this firsthand. As a police officer, Charlie had been taught about the stages of relaxation. At a recent department training, they had talked about a color relaxation pyramid. This pyramid consists of three colors, yellow on the bottom, then orange, and then red on the top. The yellow represented people who are relaxed and comfortable. Normally, people sleep in this area and also go throughout the day in this area, rising only when specific situations arise that require a stronger response. They may move into the orange stage before a presentation or a stressful meeting. It could also happen before a date or during a movie that has them sitting on the edge of their seat. After the situation, however, normal people drop back down into the yellow realm. The only time a person would move into the red area is when they feel their life is in danger, the primitive flight-or-fight reaction state. As soon as they are safe, they would again move down to the orange, and then to yellow as they calmed down and moved into a more normal state. The trainer told the police officers that in their line of duty, they are consistently in the orange area, and many officers actually never fall into the yellow state of relaxation, even when they are sleeping. Many officers are still on edge thinking about cases or possibilities of bad things that may happen to them or a loved one in the middle of the night. Because of this, police officers are always on edge. They don't sleep well, their stress and anxiety levels are always high, and it is just a part of the job that they have to learn to deal with. Charlie laughed and thought sarcastically to himself, and people wonder why police officers have so many divorces or broken relationships. Charlie thought maybe he could relate to the feelings of restlessness. Perhaps this would be a way in with Derek. He could also understand how this symptom may have caused Derek to hurt his wife. Through the stress and lack of sleep, the nerves become very sensitive, and he may have overreacted to a small situation or argument. Maybe Anne was lucky and better off, Charlie thought. Maybe he would have snapped someday too and done something unimaginable. The thought took his breath away. It was still raw, and his heart still ached. He missed her. He did some research on medications as well. All he could find were medications for anxiety or depression that were used for post-traumatic stress disorder. The most common drug was Selective Serotonin Rubtake Inhibitor, SSRI. It appeared to work in many past cases, but was a drug created for depression and sometimes used for anxiety. He wondered if Derek had taken that class of medication and if it had worked. It also looked like those medications could be pretty expensive, which is what Joe Sterling had said the issue with the medication had been. Charlie didn't see it on the list of medications in the house either. Maybe that was the problem. Maybe Derek couldn't get the medication that he needed, so he experienced more anxiety, and thus he suffered even more, which caused him more problems. There were so many questions and what-ifs. Charlie didn't think he would actually get the answer to all of the questions from Derek, but he was sure going to try. Charlie had a pretty good list of notes and questions to ask Derek. He hoped that he would be able to figure out what had really happened to Leslie, and if Derek had any role in it. And if not, to put the case away and not think about it again. Until it was settled, Charlie's mind wouldn't stop speculating. Tune in next time as we continue 21 Steps. 